And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane. This, this segment is all about what are you asking? What are other gardeners in the neighborhood talking about? What are they coming in for? What are they seeing? And so there's still gardening going on. It's lighter. The tomatoes are gone. There's not a lot of flowers, but there's some things going on. So one thing I'm noticing right now. Oh, welcome to the studio, Lisa. Well, thank you. <laughs> so uh, one thing I'm noticing is you're starting to see the winter evergreens turning yellow. That winter chlorosis. Mm -hmm. If you didn't fertilize back in October, this is when you see you can you can walk through your neighbor. You can tell which neighbors didn't fertilize, which has a the landscape companies, the mow and blow guys are, are just doing it for them and they didn't fertilize it the right thing or whatever. And and so you see this yellowing mm -hmm. of the foliage. Some of them in the neighborhood are rich, dark green. Going, oh, those look healthy. The other ones are currently yellow. So Theodore Cedars, Retifotinias, Euonymus Catoniaster. You can just kind of tell. So that's one thing I'm noticing. Mm -hmm. Why are they turning yellow? Just fertilize them. <laughs> you should fertilize. If you've got new plants right now, yeah. the, the new year is kind of a, a marker. You should fertilize those with an all-purpose plant. We make a, a, a a 744 all-purpose food that we make for here, but it has a lot of sulfur in it. It's got acidic. It's got cottonseed meal, very acidic. So it makes those evergreens, which like more acidic soil, and it's got some iron and some other stuff. It keeps them green, and it mainly sets the stage. The, the buds will start forming right now through February. The next eight to 10 weeks are critical for... Uh, conifers, that is things like spruce, pine, fir, cypress, cedars, junipers. These are all conifers. They generally flush once a year and that's it. In the spring, that's it. And whatever growth you have, that's all you're going to get. But if you've got a new landscape, that's the most important thing. You want as much growth as you can. Fertilize them now. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, usually in March, first part of April, do it again and you'll get the maximum a maturity out of that new growth in spring mm -hmm. uh, compared to other folks that didn't do that. Yeah. So anyway. Do you also recommend uh, using the humic acid? Oh, for there? new things, especially. Humic mm -hmm. acid is is basically you organic gardeners, you know what humic acid is. It, it's a, if you boil down a, a layer of compost down to its last element, that's humic acid. And so plants thrive on that. They absolutely root out and do better. But if you want the maximum undergrowth for, for plants, humic acid. Mm -hmm. If you want the most top growth, that is the, the new foliage, new needles coming out, the 744 all-purpose food. And they they're worked in they work in tandem. Right. They help each other work mm -hmm. better, especially for new anything stress, anything you just want more out of, you want better color. It works really, really well. Okay. So anyway, yep, humic yeah. acid. All-purpose food. Uh-huh. That's the magic. I didn't mean to talk <laughs> about it. I just, I was driving through a neighborhood and I went, wow, things are really looking yellow. Yeah. I went, oh, that's the reason why. That's, mm -hmm. I just noticed it this week. Right, right. Well, should we do questions? Mm -hmm. Okay. So Mike has some property out in Kirkland. Great. Mike, all right. want to do some home orchard type thing. Yeah. Wants to know what type of fruit trees and berries would you recommend for that area? Sure. So, Mike, we're Skull Valley people. We raised, raised all of our kids in that same valley. So we're very familiar. Love it. We miss it. When our kids started driving, our oldest, 
we said, geez, stupid and teenagers go in the same <laughs> sentence. Yeah. We didn't want a car involved. So we moved closer to the high school just for safety because we've lost a few of our kids. Uh, I mean, those valley that we've, we, that's a dangerous road. And so we don't want them drinking and driving, whatever else they do when they're teenagers it just happens. It's okay. Just trying to get us <laughs> yeah, just driving. Yeah. They're just learning how to drive. So we moved into town. We still miss it. So big family compound there in Skull Valley. Anyway, Mike, back to fruit trees. You would think you'd be, you're 4,000 foot, 4,200 feet, something like that. We're up to 5,000, 5,200 feet. You're 1,000 feet lower. You would think you'd be warmer. You're not. You need the same trees we use up here because that cold air settles in on those valley areas where, where all those farm ranch new homes are. And so you're dealing with apples and pears are tremendous out there. We had tremendous apricots. They, they do actually better yeah. out in Kirkland. They do here in, let's say, in the Prescott, Prescott Valley area, Chino Valley. Um, peaches do amazingly well. Uh, persimmons, uh, plums will do fantastic. You just want the late bloomers. Mm -hmm. So out of all that you'll be tempted in Kirkland to go with a desert variety, don't do it. Mike, listen to me. Don't do it. <laughs> you want to stay with the mountain, the higher elevation ones, the ones that need more chilling hours. Yeah. And th those are the ones that are going to perform better for you. So uh, go, um, what else? Uh, apples, nectarines. Uh, he mentioned berries and grapes. Grapes will do amazing. They grow wild down in Kirkland. They'll do well out there from table grapes, like the hemrods, concords. I think just the, the one you want to pick off the vine and just my mouth's watering thinking about them right now, to vineyard grapes. So your Chardonnays, Cabernets, they'll all do well too. So mm -hmm. all of those are well good. We haven't quite started shipping those. They're, they're starting to, we're starting to plan. Usually mid-January to the, sometime the end of January, we'll start shipping plants in and we start with fruit trees. And so you want to put those in if you can, if you're doing an orchard. Well, if you could get those in the ground before they wake up that's in spring, good. that's the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that would be by the, by the end of March. I think fruit trees are starting to wake up by then. And so if you can put them in then, don't feel pressured, but you got some time, but you should feel the pressure. <laughs> Go for it. And so that's, that's, we'll start loading up early yeah. with those. Those are kind of the first trucks. Yep. So mm -hmm. into January, February, we start loading up the garden center with fruit trees. Uh, not so much grapes, a few right. blueberries, yeah. a few yeah, berries. A lot of fruit trees, mm -hmm. the uh, berries and grapes generally start showing up March. So a little bit. So you're at the leading edge of spring. Anyway, mm -hmm. you, uh, gosh, fruit trees. All right. I love it. Mike's already <laughs> calling in, thinking <laughs> about ahead. it. Ahead. So Julie's out in Prescott Valley, her pampas grass, which was big and beautiful. And yeah, lovely, fantastic. Kind of got roughed up with the snow yeah. and yeah. the weather. She wants to know, is can she trim it back now or should she wait? To trim it oh, trim it. You're fine now. You can't kill a pampas grass. You probably need to try. <laughs> this is a massive grass. It gets up well above head high. Mm -hmm. Those big white plumes. And she's saying it looks a little off because, well, that snow and rain kind of makes those plumes. It kind of beats them down so they look yeah. wispy and thin. And it's time. Mm -hmm. Cut them back. Uh, you'll cut them back at your convenience. I would say anytime between now and the end of March. Mm -hmm. Pick a nice day. Power up the chainsaw and whack on it. How far back? Back to about knee high. So you'll look down in there. You'll see this under matting uh, for pampas grass. So you're not cutting it right back to the ground like you do all the 
other grasses, you're taking it back to about a foot, 18 inches or so, and you'll see this the curly Q kind of undergrowth. Cut it back to there, fertilize it with the all-purpose plant food, and it will take off for you again. Another secret with those things that bloom a lot, lilacs, mm -hmm. all your ornamental grasses, uh, fruit trees, they would benefit from superphosphate. It's a zero fifteen zero. When you're fertilizing that, if you could put some superphosphate a couple times in spring to early summer on that plant, you will have even more plumes and they'll be even larger because it's picking up that phosphorus. Uh, that's what makes those flowers and plumes. Uh, things that bloom in the spring, uh, forsythia, flowering quince, rhododendrons, azaleas, camellias, all those things that bloom early, 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 they're going to benefit from superphosphate. And I would say it's now, now this, this, this New Year's time frame, it's a really good time because they're forming those buds right now for spring growth. So you can give it a little bit of phosphorus, then pray for snow, <laughs> superphosphate, pray for snow, kind of you'll get bigger buds, mm -hmm. bigger flowers on your lilacs, better, better flowers. I would say also the super, do that at the same time. The all-purpose plant food, 744, plus superphosphate, 0-15-0. You're going to have one amazing growth, mm -hmm. flowers, and fragrance this next spring. Just by time, it kind of seems off. Winter, I shouldn't be doing that. This is when they form the buds, right now. So you should be doing that. So there he goes. The insider tip on better flowers this spring. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah. Great questions this week. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners, back right after this.